Well, hey, good morning. I'm Pastor Carl, um, the lead pastor here at Anchor Church. If you're joining us in the room or you're in the family room in the back or the courtyard or watching online, we're blessed to have you here this morning. We're in this series where we're ending today. Seven-week series, which is long for us. We usually go four to six weeks on a series. But it's important. We've been talking about the church. What is the church all about? In other words, the title of the series has been, What's the Big Deal About the Church, right? Why do we go? What is it? Uh, do we get it wrong? Because a lot of times uh, Christians do get church wrong. So we went back to the book of Acts, starting from the inception of the early church. Like the whole premise was Jesus came. He taught us how to have a relationship with the Father. He died. He rose again. Everybody saw it. They knew it. And this group of people that then went on to change the world was a movement, right? It wasn't an institution. It's not that you go to church. It's that you and I know we are the church. It's people. It's God in us. We've got, a, we're a movement, and we've got a mission to spread. So today we're talking about how the mission continues. We're going to end our series. I want to talk about someone that you may have heard of um, that kind of has made an impact in this world, and that really quickly is this guy right here. This is Steve Jobs. Anybody familiar with this guy? He's like, he, he dabbles in technology a little bit, but... <laughs> Um, a really cool quote, the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Now, Steve Jobs has, would, would you guys agree, he's literally impacted the whole wide world. You guys agree, right? I mean, he was on vision. He had vision. He had innovation. He wanted to create uh, products that everybody could use that would bless their lives, were simple. They actually looked good. They felt good. And he changed technology. Here's a quote from a guy that wrote a book on him, a book called Steve Jobs, The Journey is the Reward. This guy, Jeffrey Young, who used to work for Steve. He wrote this quote, working at Apple was never just a job, it was also a crusade, a mission to bring better computer power to people. At its roots, that attitude came from Steve Jobs. Here's a guy that was a champion for this company and what they represented, and he changed the world. But here was the problem, is that we know that there's that second date on that timeline is he passed away in 2011, six years ago. The man with the vision, the heart, the genius, and all that, he died. Lots of people at the time, even now, would say that, oh, that's it, it's done. The mission is over, Apple's gonna fall apart. Steve was the man, he was the main driver. This Tim Cook guy, he's not gonna pull it off. All the guys in, in Apple, like nobody is good enough to be like Steve and the mission is gonna fall apart and Apple's gonna lose money and it's gonna disappear and it's just gonna be a blip on the radar of history, whatever. Well, let me give you guys a few of the statistics about Apple that have happened since the champion of the mission of Apple computers has died and everybody said Apple's done with. Listen to this, the iPhone alone has higher sales than everything Microsoft sells put together. Apple has more cash in hand than the US Treasury, currently over $250 billion in hand, that's a quarter of a trillion dollars. It is the most valuable company in the entire world. This is after, but, but, but Steve died. Yeah, but listen to this, Apple right now could actually buy Disney or Coca-Cola and pay in cash. They could buy all of that. Let it go, let it go, right? <laughs> they could buy the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, and the NHL combined and have $73 billion left over. Only 16 countries, not companies, only 16 countries in the world are worth more than the company of Apple. Countries, they're worth more than entire countries. Now, here's the point that I'm trying to point out today is that Steve Jobs was amazing. He was great. He was the champion. He did a lot of good for this company called Apple Computers. But even when he died, the mission continues because there's a bunch of people that work for Apple that are part of the whole Apple universe or whatever, and they are 
believing in the same mission. They're dedicated to the same mission. And they're living and acting and working hard to ensure growth and potential and longevity that the mission continues on planet Earth. Apple will conquer, right? That's like, it's a big deal. But here's what I want you to catch about today is we've been given a mission as Christians. We read in Acts, the start of the early church, that it was about this man named Jesus that came along claiming to be the son of God. And then he did miracles and he delivered people from the demonic and raised people from the dead and people took notice. And they're like, what, this guy, could he really be the Messiah, the long-awaited anointed one that all of our prophecies have been talking about? Could he really be the son of God? And then he died. Oh, game over. That's it. Everybody's going to disperse. No more followers. But then he did what he actually prophesied he would do. He rose from the dead on the third day. And all of these people, I witnessed it. They didn't, not like us, we hear about it, right? All these years later, I believe in Jesus, it takes faith. Those people were like, I saw the guy die and now he's back and he's walking around for 40 days to prove he's real, this is crazy. And he told them, hey, represent me well in this world. I'm gonna actually go back up to heaven to be with the Father to get the place ready for you when you get there someday. Now I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit to empower you, to give you boldness so that you can tell the rest of the world about who I am and what I can do for their lives. You're on mission, right? And he started this mission. And here, was, here was his great mission. He called it the Great Commission, or we call it that, years after he said it. But he said this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Here's our mission, Christians. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Is that we, the church, the early church, these people, we started off on mission. We're gonna tell everybody about Jesus. We're gonna teach them all we know about him. They're gonna get close to God. God's gonna change their life. And God is actually with us by the power of his Holy Spirit in us. And we're gonna do big things. And we're on a mission to change this entire world. Then you get this guy, Paul, that comes along. If you know about Paul, he was actually anti the movement, the mission, the church. He was like, no, I'm, I'm old school. We do it Old Testament way. We do it with the, the Levitical laws and Moses and the Old Testament law. And this Jesus guy, it's just a cult. It's just a, like, it's just like a weird upstart rebellion thing. And like, we're gonna go and I'm gonna arrest all these people that are following this, this Jesus character that, that died. And we're gonna just wipe them out. And then, of course, you know that Paul had his own experience in a vision with the risen Lord Jesus speaking to him, blinding him, the whole deal. And suddenly he's converted and he goes, man, I've seen God. I've heard from God. He's the real deal. Now, Paul becomes the greatest champion of the church, the movement worldwide. He becomes basically the Steve Jobs of Christianity at this time. And he's going around starting churches like nobody else. No more significant human being since Jesus gave human beings the mission. There's been no one more significant than Paul. He wrote commentary, people would argue, he either wrote like up to a third of the New Testament or half of the New Testament, but he wrote a lot of what we practice today and how to live for God. He started churches all over the known world. He's impacted everything. Paul is this, this great, just champion of the church. But here's where we kind of catch him at the end of Acts. This is kind of, Acts is the book of starting the early church. Now we catch Paul towards the end of his life. He's in Rome. That's where we pick up the story. This great champion of the faith, he's been persecuted. He just keeps the fire going. He's on mission. But he ends up in Rome where he always wanted to be, but he's under house arrest for preaching the faith of Jesus Christ. 
And he's not sure if they're going to kill him, they're going to punish him, they're going to throw him in jail. But in the meantime, he's under house arrest, but he's still able to have freedom to share with people. He gathers all the Jews in Rome, the Jewish leaders, those that believe in Judaism, the old school law. He brings them around and he tries to convince them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He tries to give them the gospel message. They sit around, they hear, they're wondering about Paul and he's weird. And guess what? They're not buying it. They're like, eh, no, you know what? You're just, you're weird. We don't know what to do with you. We, we don't believe what you're preaching. So Paul says this at the end of the book of Acts in Acts 28, 28. He says after he's preaching at them, they're not getting it. He says, I want you to know that this salvation from God, the thing that I'm preaching about here, has also been offered to the Gentiles. In other words, God used to have his chosen people, the Jewish people, but now Jesus is doing a new thing and saying that Christianity is for everybody in the world. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your background. It's for all of us in every age and every generation. And so Paul is saying, hey, this message I'm preaching, it's been offered to everybody else, not just you Jewish leaders. And, and here's what he says, and they will accept it. In other words, what he's saying is, you may not be buying it right now, but everybody else is gonna buy it. It's gonna spread. It's gonna do big things in this world. And then we read that for two years, after two years of him being under house arrest in Rome, he was elite, released. Then later, he was rearrested, and eventually, the champion of our faith, the greatest significant mover in Christianity, was killed in 67 AD. The Bible doesn't tell us how he was killed uh, or where, but there's other sources that were written outside of scripture. There were historians and historical documents written that this guy, Paul, he was legit, he really lived, he was really there. And what they tell us is that he was died by decapitation by Nero in 67 AD, that his head was chopped off um, for being someone that was spreading the Christian faith. He was only 61, maybe 62 years old. But here's where we would think, oh man, it's like Steve Jobs. Man, the leader of the whole movement is gone. The company's gonna fail. And this is where people would start to think, the guy that wrote half the New Testament, the guy that started all these church, he's gone. What's gonna happen now? Well, here's the cool thing that happened is people like you and me that still believe in the movement and we believe in the mission, we carried it on. And the mission continues because the church is relevant. The church does matter. The church does have solutions to life's problems that everybody else is asking is that Jesus is very much alive and well. Christianity works, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Amen. Like, look at all the good we've done in the world since then. We've been on mission. The hospitals that, that Christians have started, members of the church, the movement, the schools that have been started, the abolishment of slavery, the peace that we bring, the life change, the transformation in people's lives, all of these amazing things, the healing that's come about. Our movement is on a mission, and now it's our turn to make sure that that mission continues. Amen? So just like Steve Jobs, he's gone, but the mission goes on. Paul's gone, but man, we're living proof that the gospel is still relevant for today. The church matters today. Someone came up to me. Here's a perfect example. Is the church still relevant? Do we matter? Are we still on mission? Someone came up to me Friday night service who I was not expecting to see at church. I walked up and I was getting ready to walk in the courtyard and I see this woman come walking up to me smiling and she comes up to give me a hug and I, in my head I'm going, this person shouldn't be here tonight. Here's the reason I say that is she shouldn't be smiling, walking up to me, coming for a hug and ready to talk and share this great testimony with me because this was Friday night and she woke up Monday morning in bed and found that her husband had passed away in his sleep. And I'm thinking, you shouldn't be here. You should be grieving. You should be at home. You should be a mess right now. If you are here tonight, it should be because people are propping you up and holding you and your eyes are swollen shut because you're grieving over your husband. She walks up to me and I'm just like, what's going on right now? And she says, Carl, I need to tell you this. 
I am so thankful for God in my life. I'm so thankful for the church and all that you guys are doing surrounding me and loving me. She goes, I can't tell you, but I have had an experience where the first time in all my 40-something years of life, I've truly experienced the love of God like I've never known ever in my whole life. She goes, the Holy Spirit is working in me. I, I wake up and I'm hurting and I'm grieving and I miss my husband. I'll see him again one day. But he's giving me this peace that doesn't make any sense. And not only peace, Carl, you're not going to believe it, but can I dare say, I even have some joy in me. And I don't understand it. I've never known the love. And there's nothing that, that I can attribute this to other than the fact that God is very much alive and well. That Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And she's given me all these testimonies and miracles that have happened to her this week. Aside from this, which should be the worst week of her life ever. And she's like, no, God is good. God is real. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. It's going to blow your mind. Here's the deal, guys. We are still on mission that what we have to offer this world still works, it's still relevant, and it doesn't matter if the early founders of the church have gone and passed away, it's people like us that carry the mission on, and we're gonna talk about that this morning. I wanna talk about, it's kind of a different sermon today. I wanna give you some statistics and some reports and some things that show you that we're still on mission together and that it's working, that we're still carrying on the mission. And then I'm gonna ask you at the end to join and be a part of the mission as well. A little bit of the sermon time is gonna come at the end. So I wanna talk about this. How do we remain on mission? Well, I wanna talk about us as Anchor Church because we're a part of the big C church in the world, but we're our small little congregation here in Kaneohe, Hawaii. How are we staying on mission? Because we clearly... Just so you guys know, our heart at, at Anchor Church here, our mission is to make sure that people that are far from God can have an easy time getting close to God. Like it's real, so, like it's a simple message, right? Like Jesus is the answer. We want to make it e as easy and simple as possible for you to get there. Uh, have we been criticized before? Yes, I get criticized sometimes. Your messages are too simple. They're too easy. They're not deep. You're not giving enough theology. You're not doing this and that. Like I get that. I went to Bible college. I'm a, I'm a product of, of theology, a theological institution. I could give all of that. I choose not to. I intentionally choose to keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S. -S. Why? Because I want, if someone gets only one shot at coming to one of our services, that they can catch the reality of Jesus. It's simple enough for them to understand. They could change their life in one time being with us rather than, let me give you an 18-week series with all the Greek and the, and the Hebrew and the theology and all that. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, the church is never supposed to be just about information transfer, but about life transformation. So we're going to take what the Bible says, and we're going to make it real, and we're going to make it easy. This is our heart. Now, do we go deep? Sure, there's lots of potential to go, go deep. In today's day and age, you could go to so many podcasts and sermon series, and we give you right now media that, that takes you to all these, these people that study deeper. You can get into Bible studies, connect groups, your own groups. You can study and go deeper. But here's what I learned from Scripture is deeper means doing. Deeper doesn't just mean learning, because that's all right here. What I see in the, the, the Old and New Testament is the closer you get to God, when you really start getting deep into it, what you discover is, hey, it's not just for me, it's for this world around me. And the, the sooner I start doing something, that's the deeper you get into a relationship with God when you're actually doing something giving back. Does that make sense, guys? So there's a little bit about who we are and how we carry on this mission. In Acts 15, a group of the early church members got together, uh, James, Peter, Paul, they're all there and they were discussing this. Should we let non-Jewish people into Christianity? Can they really be saved? Is it okay? We think so, but let's talk about this. They got together in Acts 15, 19, and James stands up. He's one of the pillars of the church at the time, and he goes, here's my judgment on this thing. My judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. 
In other words, the conclusion is we better make it easy for people to find Jesus. And that's the mission of Anchor Church. Our statement is this, our mission statement, to lead people to their best life possible by connecting them to God and his family and equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in the world. Like we wanna make it easy for people to connect with God, his family, and we wanna make sure you understand your giftings, your purpose in life, so that you can go out there and be part of the mission and be doing good stuff in the world. Is that good? So what are we doing to get there? I wanna talk a little bit about us, our church, and then we're gonna talk about individuals. What are we doing? Because honestly, guys, I've only been the lead pastor of this church for five years. Now, we've done a lot of great stuff in the, the time before that. My dad founded the church like 30-something years ago. We started a lot of churches. We had great impact. But what I really know is the time now that I've been the guy that's like kind of in charge and the one that God's saying, hey, you better go do something. You better be on mission, Carl. And we changed our name. We've only been Anchor Church for about two and a half years now. Before that, we were Hope Chapel Kaneohebe. But God is giving us new calling, new revelation, new vision. And I want to talk a little bit about what I can speak from. What have we done in the last five years? Just so you guys know that you're in a church that is on mission. Like we're not comfortable just being happy and hiding away from the world and we're in our little tent up here and we're just happy like people. Like, like here's what we're all about. We've saved thousands and baptized thousands of people. Thousands of people's lives have changed. Thousands in the past five years? Yes, thousands. We, we literally pray at the end of every single service for people to make a step towards Jesus, to make a decision to say, he's gonna be the Lord of my life right now. Or maybe it's people that have made a commitment years and years ago but walked away from it and they're rededicating. Either way, it counts as a step towards Jesus. But we have over 2,000 decisions a year through this church, through all the services that we do. Like we're changing lives, guys. Is that good? Like, like people are getting saved and baptized, connected. They're going to heaven. We have two locations. We started at a Huimanu campus a couple of years ago. So we have five services on the weekend, plus youth services, plus for our, our seniors, the time setter service on Fridays. We have anchor mom service for moms with little kids that get together, meet the Lord. We have celebrate recovery. We do grief share. We do brotherhood for the men, sisterhood for the women. We're doing a lot of stuff to change people's lives. We um, have gotten incredibly healthy in our internal culture. You can ask Pastor Rob. He's worked here for over 20, 25 years Pastor Rob, he teaches from time to time. He's our executive pastor. He will tell you, because he's worked here for so long, he says that our staff and our culture has never been healthier. We have never been tighter as a team. Like, we literally have each other's back. We go to prayer with one another. We're actually friends. Like, we don't just work together as coworkers. Like, we hang out together on the, on the other side of the work hours because we literally love each other. And I believe this, to have a healthy outpouring of the church, you better be healthy in the inpouring and you better be tight together. So our staff is, we've worked hard to make unity in the staff. Here's another good thing you need to know about the church that you're sitting in right now. We've just reached um, ECFA accreditation and certification. What does that mean? ECFA is an organization that basically um, puts out a set of standards for all churches and nonprofits across the United States if you want to participate and become certified is basically they'll put you through an audit and they will inspect everything that you do financially and the whole basis of their organization is can these churches meet our standard of accountability, of transparency, of integrity, of managing their, their money with absolute um, godly measures? And when you get that seal of approval, that says a lot. There's only less than a handful of churches in the state of Hawaii that have ECFA certification. We worked hard to make that happen because we want you to be able to trust the church you're sitting in that you give to is managing its money in a godly, integrous, transparent way with full accountability. Is that good? 
Like that's good, like you can know that you can trust this church. So we worked hard to make sure that that happens. We keep trying stuff to reach new people. We launched that other campus in Huimano to, to reach that neighborhood. We do food trucks every other Friday night. How many of you guys have enjoyed our food trucks on Friday night? Man, it's, it's awesome. And you know what's so good about that? All the food trucks are is a trick to get your friends to church. Like, let's be honest. Like, really, like, it's like, hey, bro, let's go get some good food tonight. Shaka Shrimp is coming. Ono kind of Yeah, where is that at? Oh, my church. Right? Like, I'm not going to even, like, try to hide that. Like, we're just trying to do things to get people into God's church, into his kingdom, that they would meet Jesus and their lives would change. Is that okay? Like, we just want to reach people. Um, we do our Ohana summer nights where we just invite everyone in the community. Our church grew so much because you brought your friends to the fun Ohana summer nights, and our church is growing. The church is growing. We do the At The Movie series, stuff like that, where we take Hollywood movies and we teach them in a way that's relatable because we know lots of people have come, and they go, this is church? This is cool. We like this. How do we jump in and be a part of it? We just want to reach people. So we do all of this stuff. We're reaching our community like never before with our Aloha Dream Center. Man, the, we do stuff all the time in the community. You got to get involved in this. It's cool. We put on proms for people that could never afford proms. These girls that would never, we give them, we, we donate and find all these incredible prom dresses. We do something in here where we honor these girls that couldn't afford it otherwise. And guess what? They're not even Christians. We're doing outreach. We just want to reach people and bless people because that's who God called us to be. We do these school drives every year with the backpack rallies full of supplies and we just give them out to all these kids that are in need. We, did, we recently did that um, Showers of Hope, the, the baby shower for, for moms in crisis and in need and we just give away tons of cribs and diapers and, and all, just all the stuff, car seats, all that stuff that some of these girls would have no means of getting on their own. We just want to bless people. The homeless, we reach out to the homeless all the time. We're doing a big Christmas blessing thing again this Christmas. We got a new idea. We're going to do something different, but it, it's blessing people out there in the community. Laundry love, just all the stuff that we do that's helping the world. We're, we're reaching out to the community. We've built new offices and new children's church because we want to have good, clean, amazing um, buildings that can facilitate the ministry that we do here. We sponsor missionaries. We have, we have mission teams that go out. I just came back from Japan, but we have full-time missionaries in Cambodia, Spain, Japan, the Dominican Republic, and we're looking into Tonga this year as well. Um, through Compassion International, you guys, us together, Anchor Church, we've sponsored over 1,300 kids to be rescued out of poverty, to give them Jesus Christ, to give them education and food and hygiene and medical needs. Can you guys clap for 1,300 kids? I, that's big. I'm just trying to share with you guys, we're still on mission. We've given money and resources to people in need, to other ministries, to other churches even. Like we're like, oh, but they're not even part of our denomination. It doesn't matter. If someone's in need, we're gonna do what we can to give money, to give resources away in our local community, our state, our country, and in the world. We've recently joined up with the ARC, Association of Related Churches, where these are like-minded guys who are a few steps ahead of us in the ministry game, in the church growth game, and we're learning from them. They're sowing into our lives. People are advising me that are like mentors to me, that are like all about the heart and the humility of Jesus and, and growing the church and loving on people. And we're blessed to be a part of it. They give us all of their resources for free. Hey, you need some help in this area? Like there's a lot of Christian people and companies out there that are like, Here, here's my set of DVDs, $1,800 you know, or whatever. Here's this seminar and all that. These guys are just like, hey, whatever works for us, we want you to have it for free. Just try it out in your churches. I love being a part of that. But this is some of the stuff that we've done. Here's some of the stuff that we want to do because we have vision. God's given us vision. Here's some of the stuff that we want to do to help the mission continue. Is we want people to help find purpose and their spiritual gifts by developing a growth track. 
We want everybody in the church to have access to what's my next step? Pastor Carl, what should I do next so I can grow deeper, so I can learn about myself, so I can figure out how God has designed me, what can I do? We're developing a growth track. We're gonna launch it this coming year. We wanna train more church leaders because we want more churches, right? We wanna serve and grow this church, this local body, our house, by developing a really strong dream team of volunteers. We just had a, a team night dinner this past Tuesday night or something where we just honored them and we're pouring into them because we only pay for a little over 20 people to be on staff at this church, right? The rest of it is the church running the church and loving the church and serving the church and the dream team. And so there's all these different areas. We wanna pour more into that. We wanna do more in our community through Aloha Dream Center. We wanna make more room for people. We're outgrowing this tent. At this service and our Friday night service, people are pouring out and they're watching on TVs in the courtyard. People are watching online. We need to make more room so that more people can be blessed by the message that we, we sent. So this coming year, we're gonna start a new campaign to figure out how do we get some funds together and how do we start building this thing's too small. This tent is wearing out. We need to maximize the capacity of this property that God has given us. We need to make room for more people, your friends and family members, to find Jesus. So guess what? Coming up next couple years, we're getting a real building here. And it's going to be bigger, and it's going to be better, and it's going to be awesome. But just to let you know, we're not thinking grand castle and crazy awesome, like stained glass windows. All we're thinking of is just build a bigger box. Just build a bigger box so that we can have freedom. Let's cut the cost so that the money goes to the ministry, but let's build a better, more permanent structure so that we can fit more people in. Amen? So this is where we're going with this stuff. We want to grow our Ahuimanu campus. We have one service. We know that we could do multiple services over there. We have the audacity to think it would be really cool to have an anchor church in Kailua in the next few years. Because a lot of you come from the military base or you live in Kailua, and if we could plant a place for you to have a shorter drive, to fill up over there, you know what it does? You free up seats over here so more Kaneohe people can find their way into seats over here. Again, how do we expand what we're doing? And wherever else God is calling us to, we wanna be able to plant more churches. This is some of the stuff we're doing. We would love to work hard at creating a program, which we're about to create, that helps every member of Anchor Church get into a small group. Because you grow best in the Lord when you're growing together. When you're not just, I sat in a service and I learned and I'm out of here. But when you're actually doing life with other people and Christians and you're making lifelong friends, you grow better. So how do we get people into groups like that? We've got some ideas that we're leaning towards. We would eventually love to own this property. We don't own this property, just so you guys know. We are, are mortgaging it, renting it from the Catholic Church. Um, it, our lease expires in the next, in about 24 years. And so we're hoping that between now and then, we would have enough money put together, saved up, or whatever, that we could actually offer to buy it from them, that we could own this place so that we could have a headquarters, we could have longevity, we'd leave a legacy for our next generations, and that if we bought it outright, that we would be payment-free and would free us up financially to do more things in the world and the community and not be paying a mortgage. Isn't that good? So we have all these ideas, and this is what the church is doing, but here comes the sermon part of it. You guys ready for the sermon part of it? Sermon part is how does that relate to me, Pastor Carl? Like, what can I do? That's you guys. That's the church. Here's what you are. If you're thinking that, you've, I've miscommunicated myself to you. This isn't about what the church can do and the church you're a part of. Here's the deal that Jesus tells us is you are the church. It isn't that I go to Anchor Church and my church is doing that stuff. It's the fact that there's something that every single one of us can do to get involved is because we're the church. We're the ones that keep the mission going, the movement alive, not like, well, I let the church do it. You're the church. And so here's some things that I want to ask of you. I want to ask you to be bold in. 
Because we prayed a prayer in the beginning of this series that the early believers in the early church prayed, and they said in Acts 4.29, now, O Lord, remember this phrase? Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. And they went out and they started a revolution, they started the movement. But here's the deal, we need to be bold with getting people into that movement and getting them to church. Because in the big picture, it matters. Look, I'm like you. When I'm out there in the world and I meet people that aren't in church yet, I'm scared a little bit. I'm a little bit timid. Like I go surfing and I see guys that I've been making friends with and I know them from surfing at the beach and, and th- I've introduced myself. They know I'm a pastor. And the next step is like, they're probably waiting for it. When's that guy gonna invite me to his church? I know he's a pastor, right? And I'm scared. I get intimidated like, oh, what if I don't have the words to say? What if the guy doesn't wanna be my friend anymore because I'm pushing my religion on him? What if he thinks I'm a kook, right? I get scared of this stuff. But here's the reality. When I stop and I think about boldness, about asking someone to church or sharing my faith with them, I think of the big picture. And here's what the big picture says. The big picture says that heaven and hell are real. And that everybody on planet Earth ends up in one of those places. And if I don't open my mouth and get a little bolder and invite some of those guys in the water just to come to church, plant little seeds, just just share my faith a little bit, just whatever, is that I could be risking the fact that they end up in the wrong place for all of eternity. And that I owe it to my God being part of this mission, this movement, to do something about bringing people on board and into the family of God. So we have to be bold. Here's the first thing you can be bold in. I'm asking for your personal help with this one because we do this together. Be bold with your invitations. That we found that one of the easiest ways to plant the seed and to get people worked into the movement in relationship with God is invite them to church. Now, I'm not saying that's the only way. I think it's better if you personally sit down one-on-one with your friends, give your testimony, talk about God. But an easier way that's a first easy step is simply just go, hey, I go to a really good church, and if you want what I got, you should just come check it out sometime. Come with me sometime. It's the number one way. You know what's so good about someone coming to church for the first time is they actually get to see a glimpse of what Christianity is all about, the big picture. Because we offer on a Sunday morning, they're gonna get exposed to prayer, they're gonna get exposed to worship and a bunch of people that believe in a God enough that they're like giving some time to just just give them their praise and honor. That They're gonna hear a word of truth that gives a gospel message. They're gonna get introduced to the family of God and what that looks like and why we're Christians. They get exposed to a really big picture. So inviting someone to church is easy. We need to get bolder at that. We need to get people invited into this home. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the people will ask, wait, wait, Lord, when did we do that for you? And Jesus said, whenever you did that for the least of these in this world, you were doing it for me. So Jesus says, when we invite someone in, we're doing it for him. I love the, the phrase that says, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Think about how cool that is when you invite someone into your home. When you meet a new friend and you're saying, hey, I want to invite you into my world, meet my family, all the blessings I have. Come sit on my couch. I'll give you food. I want you to meet my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I want you to meet the family because I got something good to offer you. So I want to bring you home with me. That's what you're doing to your friends that are out there that don't know the beauty and the love and the nature of the family of God. You're bringing them into your home and you're going, hey, you're going to meet some awesome people. It's going to change your life. I'm going to make your life better because I brought you home with me. Is that good? We gotta get bold, guys. We gotta get bold with inviting people in. Here's the second thing you need to be bold with, your volunteering. Bold with your volunteering because when people come into the home, they're our guests. We need to serve them well. 
When they come around here, they need to know that, that everything we do around here is with the one goal, is that we're moving people closer to Jesus Christ. That means that even the guys in the black box that run the cameras and the video and the, all of that stuff, their main intent, because I talked to Tate. If you know Tate that works in there full time, his heart is this. I'm just trying to make it better so people can know Jesus. Just trying to make our church better. Trying to make the whole experience, the sound, the lights, the, the clarity, the verses, the video, all that. We just got to make it better because we want people to find Jesus. Like get involved, like volunteer. Like if I didn't work at this church, I would still go to this church because I really like what's going on in this church. I would still volunteer at this church because I did for a number of the years before I ever got hired here. I was a part of what's going on because something good is happening here. People's lives are changing and it takes a whole bunch of people together to make that thing happen. Because sometimes we forget this. When we're like, oh, the church is asking me to, to watch the, the kids for a little while or oh, they want me to help usher. They're asking me to help do this. Thing. Like, they don't know that I don't have time for this. Sometimes we forget that the people that are serving us in all of those areas, they don't really have time for it either, but they chose to say, this church matters, that I'm on a mission and I'm gonna sacrifice a little bit of my time so that I can serve this thing that we call the church. That everybody's got busy lives, but we all have an opportunity to step up. See, I want the church, our church, to look so good that you would never feel like, oh, I have to serve. That you would feel like, I get to serve. That you would get to look at our church from the outside looking in and go, man, something is happening so good there. Lives are changing. People are finding Jesus. This is crazy how they're serving the community. Like, this is so good. Like, can I play too? Like, can I get in on that? Like, I had a, a, a pickup game of wiffle ball back in the day when I was a, a youth pastor in Huntington Beach. And right across from the little apartment I lived in was an empty lot. It was gross. It was dirty. I told the story before, broken glass, dog doo-doo, weeds. Like, it was kind of gross. But because I was a youth pastor and youth kids don't mind getting disgusting, they're like, hey, let's go play in that lot. And so we went over there, we got wiffle ball going, and we started having just a blast. And it was right in downtown Huntington Beach, people driving and walking all around to the point where people got so excited that they saw what was happening in there that businessmen with ties on and everything would like stop, I promise, after work, take off their jacket, loosen their tie and go, hey, can I get a couple swings? I haven't played wiffle ball since I was a kid. Hop the fence, whoop, go in the lot, right? Take some swings. We had all kind of adults just wandering up, driving by looking, and they're like, bro, these kids are having the best time in the world. How do I get in on that, right? And we just, all of these, it was such a crazy mixture of like little junior high and high school kids, and we had like businessmen, we had drunk people coming in and playing like, hey, I'm gonna take a swing, woo, right? It was amazing, but here's the premise. Whatever's happening in there looks so good, I gotta be a part of it. Like, don't you think Anchor Church is a church that looks that good that you would say, how do I volunteer? How do I get in on the action? That's amazing. Because we're doing big things in Anchor Church. When we ask you if you would come and help with the kids in children's church, it's not babysitting. Don't ever say that. We're giving kids Jesus Christ. We're loving them. You're another adult, an auntie or an uncle in that kid's life that is getting a chance to come in there and to love those kids with the love of Jesus, to encourage those little kids, to point them to a godly lesson so that when they hit those teenage years of insecurity and independence and temptation and all of that, that we have planted good enough seeds back here that there's gonna be less chance that those kids are gonna go haywire and screw their lives up. You guys get what I'm saying? Proverbs says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It matters that you volunteer and you help, you're changing people's lives. And I don't know what area God's calling you, but try stuff, get involved. Um, I love this. I love that before anybody comes to this church and ever even hears 
the message preached by the preacher, they've already had a bunch of people minister to them, welcome them, give them hospitality, and show them what the body of Christ is all about. From the parking lot attendant that helps you find a spot and drives you in the little golf cart up to wherever it is that you need, people carrying umbrellas from you, for you when it's raining, people that are serving you at the coffee table and in the courtyard, answering questions, just loving on you, welcoming you here. You walk in, there's greeters at the front door. Today, I think it was Paul and, and who's that, Fran? Yeah, Franny was over there. Um, it, just the different smiling faces of people welcoming you. You walk in, someone ushers you to your seat with a smile and how you doing. You know, 11 a.m. has one of our greatest ushers of all of our teams, this one guy named Tad. I don't know if you guys know Tad. Tad is amazing with the hospitality and the love. So much, so amazing his hospitality. Listen to this. He owns his job because it's for Jesus. So amazing that sometimes we have people that move from our church, they, whether they're PCS'd out or they gotta move or whatever. I've literally had multiple people, multiple now, come to me and, and go, hey, I'm leaving. Can you just make sure that Tad knows that I'm thankful for him? Can you pass a message and thank Tad for me? I'm like, he's an usher, you know, like that's amazing. But he takes his job seriously. I've had one person that was my next door neighbor. She started coming to church because I invited her. She had a short military uh, stay here and she had to go. But we invited her to church. But then when she was leaving, she goes, oh, Carl, Pastor Carl, I just have this gift and this card I want to get. I'm thinking it's for me. She goes, yeah, it's for Tad the usher. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I invited you to church. Like, you're my neighbor. She literally gave a card and a gift, and I had to deliver it. Like, I drove it to where he works in Kailua, Napa, and I'm like, hey, is that, is that, yeah, that is for you, man. Like, and he cried. You know why? Because he's on mission, and he takes his job seriously, and he loves his church, and he volunteers for it with all of his heart. It's amazing. But I, I need to ask you, would you be bold at volunteering? Why? Church is growing. We need to service our guests. We need to love on them, welcome them into the family. Here's the other thing you can be bold at, giving. Yep, I just said that. The pastor asking for money again. There we go. It was a matter of time, right? Here's the deal. I give because I believe in what's happening in this church. I give because it's not just about this church. It's about my father that says, if you're obedient to me, you surrender every area of your life to me, and you have faith that I'm going to provide for you. You give. Listen, I give 10%. I've been a tither since I was a little kid. I give 10%, I'm left with 90%. God shows me this, that God, with me honoring him, can do more with my 90% that I've got left over than if I would have kept the whole 100% for myself. That's crazy. I don't know how it works. It's just one of those miraculous things. He provides for us. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want God to think my heart's far from him, so I get involved and I give and I volunteer and I do whatever it takes. God, you have control of every area of my life, even my money, my finances. Does that make sense, guys? I'm not trying to beat you over the head and be that guy that wants the money, but I believe in the integrity of this church. I see where the money goes to serve people in the community, and I'm like, whatever I can do to keep this thing going along, let's, let's be about that. Here's the last thing. Be bold with your prayers. This is big. This is bigger than everything else because now you're asking God to get involved. It's one thing when we give our money and we do our volunteering on our human power. That's cool. That's good. But here's where we go spiritual. We kick it up a notch and we're saying, hey, God, I can only do so much, but I'm going to pray now. And suddenly I'm asking all of the powers of heaven to get involved in a situation. I need you to be a praying church. We're going to start our year off again in January with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to do it again in August, but we're going to do 21 days of prayer and feasting. 
And the reality is this. There's a time when we, when we go in, in our needs, but the second time of prayer is that we're praying to reach other people in August. That's why it's feasting, because the Bible says breaking of bread together and celebrating life and relationships. So we want you praying that we'd reach the world out there, and we want you eating with other people to talk to them about Jesus. Does that make sense? Anyway, it's got to be prayer. So here, let me give you some things to pray for if you're taking notes. This is things that I value, that this church values. Pray, number one, that people find Jesus through Anchor Church. Because really, that's great commission. That's, that's mission number one, is that more people would be in the kingdom and find heaven. Only thing we take with us to heaven is other people, right? I say that all the time. Think about that. That all of what you accomplish in your life, the only thing that's going with you to heaven is the other people that you brought into the kingdom. So pray that we as a church continue to see salvations. Pray that, that lives would be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that we are a church that never shies away from the power of the Holy Spirit. That we never desensitize ourselves and, and think that it's our own wisdom or strength, that we're, everything is spirit-led and under the Spirit's power. Because that's what the early church prayed. Give us power to see the miracles, boldness, but it comes from your Holy Spirit that's in us that people's gifts would be released, that spiritual gifts would happen, that there's prophecy, there's speaking of tongues, there's, there's words of knowledge and wisdom, that we actually, as a church, decide to let God be God. Amen? Like, there's stuff that only he can do, and I want that in this church. I want to see some of that. Here's another thing you can pray for, protection and wisdom for this church's leadership. Can I ask you guys and plead with you to pray for me and my family, to pray for our staff and our pastors and their families as well? Because don't you understand that the biggest targets of the enemy are the people that have leadership and they have influence. And he's gonna come after us hard. Too many times we think, no need to pray for the pastors. They're already close to God. They're good. No, the reality is actually that we open ourselves up to be bigger targets. Our, our finances, our relationships, our, our self-worth, just so many different things. Would you commit to being bold and praying for the leadership of this church? Pray for our youth, this generation that's raising up. Man, I just went on a, a mission trip with these kids. They love Jesus. They broke out of their shell. Some of these kids that are shy at, in your house broke out of their shell and were just vibrant and loving and faithful and just welcoming to all of these kids in Japan that didn't know Jesus. Pray that that would begin to rise up and this generation would be a generation that follows God. And pray that we get a full-time youth pastor because we're still looking. We've interviewed a lot and we're waiting for the right one that God says, yep, that's the one but we need prayer for that as well. Here's the last thing. It's one word, it's more. And it's not Carl Moore, M-O-O-R-E. It's M-O-R-E. What, what am I asking? Would you pray for more leaders, more churches, more ministries, more resources, and more influence in this world? Not just Anchor, but all the churches combined in the world. Pray for more, because when we pray for more, what we're really equaling is more people saved, more people knowing Jesus, more people populating heaven. Oh, you just need an increase in all that. Our movement is on a mission, and now it's our turn to make sure that the mission continues. I want to end with this, just a simple quote from Steve Jobs, a couple of them. This is, I think it's pretty awesome. Now, Steve Jobs, not a Christian. He was a Buddhist. He was different. He was out there, had different ideas. But listen to what he said. It's still relevant to us as a church. Being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying, we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me right? As a church, it's not about all the show and all. We just want people to know Jesus. Here's the last quote that Steve Jobs says, I want to put a ding in the universe. I think for us as Christians is we want to leave a lasting mark. We want to leave a legacy. We want the mission that was started by Jesus and the Apostle Paul. We want it to continue 
all through the generations into this world until we're all brought up together in heaven one day rejoicing. We want to get as many people as we can. We, Anchor Church, you, Christians sitting there in the seats, together, man, we want to put a ding in this universe. We want to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's get out there. Let's do this. Let's pray right now. And we'll send you out into that world you need to be the light of. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the word today. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge for us to get involved and to to spread your mission, God. As we invite people, as we volunteer, as we give, as we pray, as we do all the things that you expect of your people, Lord, we want to make a ding in the universe. We want to make an impact in this world. We want more people to know you. That's bottom line. That's what we're all about here at this church and as Christians, as your kids. Lord, would you empower us with the boldness we need to step out in some of these areas? But I think every one of us, one of those areas just rings true in our life this week right now. Help us to, to, to lean into that, whichever one you're calling us to. Lord, help us to make an impact. Let's grow the church around the world that people would know you and know freedom and healing. And Lord, I want to pray also for anybody in the room today. Maybe you're someone that came today. You're not a part of the church yet, this church or, or God's church, but maybe something, something just spoke to you this morning and you want to be. You want to be on the right right team. You want to be in the right family. You want to know that God's in your life and he's moving. He could do miracles and he could change your life for eternity, but you've never really 100% given him permission to be that God in your life. Here's the thing. He'll never force himself on you. You always have to give him permission. He gave us free will. He, he allows us to make the choice. He wants us to be able to pick him from a heart that says, I want you, God. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to be a part of the family, be a part of the the movement that is on a mission to change the world. If you'd like to walk out of this room today knowing that you are a Christian, saved and forgiven, and you have God at work in your life through his Holy Spirit, then I'm gonna offer to pray with you right now. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. I won't ask you to pray it out loud in front of all these people, but I want you to join the prayer with me in your heart of hearts right now. That as I pray the words out loud, that you would say, these are my words to you, God, right now. I'm gonna take... Pastor Carl's words right there, and and these are my words to you, God. I promise you this, God will hear you. He judges you on the state of, in the condition of your heart. After service, you can go and tell someone that you did, you prayed this prayer, but right now it's a hard issue and God wants to change your life. And if you're ready for that, I wanna lead you in this prayer. And before we do that, I wanna ask one simple theme, thing. Sorry, people's eyes are closed, their heads are bowed in this room, or if you're in the family room, or you're in the courtyard, or you're online, or whatever. God values that you would just do this, make a step towards him. And with everybody's eyes closed, I'm gonna ask that if you wanna pray this prayer to make Jesus the Lord of your life and really to follow him today in a real way, before we pray this together, would you just raise your hand right now and let me know. Pastor Carl, I'm in. I want, I want to be a part of the movement. Good, I wanna see those. I see one hand in the back. I see you over here, ma'am. I'm looking around. I see another hand right there, sir. I see someone right up here in front. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Come on, just wave at me if I didn't see you. This is big. This changes everything. It changes your eternity. So I want to make sure I saw all the hands. I see this person right here. Praise God. I see a hand right over there. Unreal. Unbelievable. Good stuff. And like I said, if you're out there in the courtyard or the the mother's room or online, God sees that hand. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now if you raise your hand. Under your breath, make this your prayer. God, I'm here today, and I need you. I want you. I believe in what your son Jesus did at the cross, that I understand that he died for my sins, my problems, my issues, my baggage, my bondage, my mistakes, that he put those to death to pay the price for them. And then he rose again on the third day. That man literally rose from the dead 
to prove he was the son of God. He has power over death and life itself, but also power to forgive all of my sins that died that day on the cross. All the sins I've ever done, ever will do, were put to death that day when I put my trust in you here right now today. So Father, I'm telling you, I believe in that. And I'm, I'm asking that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit as I follow you right now. Lord, that I believe in the salvation that came and that I'm gonna live it out. I'm gonna follow you all of my days as I read my Bible, as I go to church, as I surround myself with the family of God, as I get water baptized, as I say yes to the filling of your Holy Spirit to change me and do things in my life that I could never do on my own. Lord, everything you have for me from the bottom of my heart right now, my answer is yes. Yes, I will follow you. I choose you all of my days. Thank you for allowing me to be called your son or daughter from this moment forward into eternity. And in Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Amen. Can we praise God right now with those people? Yes. So good.